this week on Hope for the Broken. See, the sacrificial system set up in the Levitical law taught us something very significant. It taught us the meaning of sacrifice, and by so doing prepared us for the ultimate sacrifice, the cross. Rescue is provided, and a relationship with God is restored. The scarlet thread through the Bible, illustrating the fact that Jesus is greater than everything. Welcome to Hope for the Broken, the audio podcast ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas. I'm your host, Austin Mahoney. We exist to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. At Trinity, we believe we are all broken and in need of the redeeming hope found in Jesus. For more information about our church, visit us on our website at trinitytx.org. This week, we continue our series called Greater Than. Here's our pastor, Chris Wigley, with part seven titled, Greater Than Everything. Well, we are uh, continuing in our sermon series this morning that we've entitled Greater Than. And over the course of this series, we've taken a look at several different things. We've talked about how Jesus is greater than the grave, that Jesus is greater than our worry and our anxiety, that he's greater even than our grief that we often face. He's greater than the things that the, and the challenges that face our families. He's greater than our failures, praise God. And last week, we took a look at the fact that he is greater than relational conflict. Today, on this Memorial Day weekend, uh, we'll be discussing the fact that Jesus is greater than everything. Simply put, Jesus is greater than everything. Do you remember when you were a kid and you'd get in arguments with your friends? And when the argument could go no further, this line would always pop up. Well, my dad is better than your dad. You guys remember this? And, and then you would go back and forth. Well, my dad is better than infinity, right? And, and you would try to come up with this astronomical uh, number. Well, today it's going to be that kind of message. Our heavenly father is greater than everything. Amen? And he is bigger and better than anything that might face us. And this message today is going to be different from typical messages. Typically, we have a text, and I tell you to open your Bibles to that particular text, and we begin to work our way through that specific passage of Scripture, and, and I usually have at least three points, and Kathy makes fun of me, my wife makes fun of me, because I then have sub-points to my point, and she says, nobody knows the point. And so, uh, but anyway, this, this message is not going to be like that. We're going to actually talk through the entire Bible this morning as we see that our Heavenly Father is indeed awesome. Now, I know some of you are thinking, the entire Bible? Pastor Chris, you have trouble getting us out of here on time in normal days. How are you going to work through the whole Bible? I promise I won't keep you much past 1 o'clock, and, uh, and it'll be great. Just kidding. Uh, this will be a quick overview of the Bible, and we're just going to stop off at key points throughout the Scriptures. If you want a jumping off point, turn with me to Leviticus chapter 17, and we're going to go from there. In 2014, Lifeway published a short book entitled The Scarlet Thread Through the Bible. It's a great little read, a quick little read, but I'm going to basically build from that book and talk about the scarlet thread that is woven all throughout the stories in the scripture, the scarlet thread. 
You know, there's a question that seems to always reoccur in my conversations with people. Whenever I present the gospel, there is a common question that, that seems to surface. And the question is this, why did Jesus have to die? I mean, if God is God, right, and, and he could do anything, couldn't he have found another way to purchase our salvation? Seems kind of gruesome, doesn't it, that his son would have to die. Why would he choose this way to show how much he loved us and loved the world? Well, today I hope to answer that very question. And there is a specific reason as to why Jesus had to die. But let's first look at Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. And this sums up the answer to that question. It says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So today, as we survey the Bible, I want to show you the scarlet thread of atonement. The blood of atonement through the Bible. In eternity past, uh, an angel of God by the name of Lucifer, that name Lucifer means the morning star, fell from heaven. And Isaiah tells us that Lucifer thought himself to be God. And in Revelation chapter 12, it says that Lucifer was cast out of heaven. And when he was cast out of heaven, one-third of the created angels fell with him and followed Satan. Then after these events, God created the heavens and the earth. Now that's Genesis chapter 1. In six days, God spoke everything into existence. Now just a little side note here. I believe in a literal six-day creation of the world. There are some that would say, well, the word day uh, there in the creation account can be uh, more so designated a period of time. And so some people will say, yeah, but a a thousand years is but a day to God and a day but a thousand years. And, And so who knows what really this time period is? And I tend to say I'm a literal six day, 24 hour time period believer in creation. And the reason for that is that whenever we come to a place in Scripture where we cannot decipher whether or not this is a simile or a metaphor or, or if it's figurative language, I always err on the side of literal translation. And so is the case here. Now, there are some believers that believe in what is called the gap theory. That is, that there is a pause between God created the heavens and the earth and then the first day of creation. Right? That God somehow created the raw materials and then paused. And some people believe for a rather lengthy period of time, maybe even millions of years, I don't know. And then he began the six-day process. I don't know exactly how it, it uh, began. I wasn't there. Uh, but I want to err on the side of a literal translation of the scriptures here in this regard. So uh, just a side note, I believe in a literal six, 24-hour time period, and then God rested on the seventh. All that to say this, that which God made in that time period was perfect. The world at the end of God's creation was completely perfect. We have recorded in the Genesis account that God saw all that he had made. And he proclaimed it as being very good. That is, it was perfect. And this creation that God had made is known as the Garden of Eden. God then created both man and woman. And he did so in his own image. 
Now, another side note here. Because God created man and woman, male and female, and he did so in his creation, life, humanity, is extremely important to God. Every person, regardless of age, ability, race, intellect, or location, contain within them the very image of God. In other words, God's creation of humanity was different than all the other creation that he had made. There is no other creation that it is said to be made in the image and likeness of God. Only humanity is said to have that value. And therefore, you have an intrinsic value. Not because someone else proclaims that you have value. You have value because you bear the very image of God. At the moment of conception, we bear the image of God. And this is why life and humanity is extremely important. And God then placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and everything was perfect. Now God placed in the Garden of Eden a tree, a specific tree known as the knowledge of good and evil. And the only command given to Adam and Eve in the garden was not to eat the fruit of that tree. Now, I don't know what kind of fruit that was. I know we typically assign what? An apple to represent that fruit. I like apples, so I think it was an onion, right? I know onions don't grow on trees, but I can't stand onions. So I think it was an onion, right? Who would eat that? Adam and Eve ate of that. Now, here's another question that often seems to get raised at this point. If God is all-knowing, and if God therefore knew that Adam and Eve would eat of this tree, would eat the fruit of this tree, why in the world would God have placed that tree in the garden? We know from the moment that Adam and Eve ate that fruit, that they sinned, sin broke God's perfect design. God could have avoided all of the nonsense by not even placing a tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. Why would he put that tree in there? Well, I think God was given Adam and Eve the opportunity to make a choice. A choice to be faithful to God or a choice to pursue their own desires. See, without the tree in the garden, there was no choice to love God above other things because we wouldn't have the opportunity to choose it see god doesn't force us to love him god does not create robots does god desire all people to love him yes and amen he desires all to come to repentance but god does not force us to love him and the presence of that tree gave adam and eve that very choice now enter the fallen angel lucifer and his fallen angel friends. Satan took on the form of a serpent, and he had the ability to talk to the women. First of all, if I'm Eve, uh, I couldn't be Eve because I'm a male. If I was Adam, and there was a serpent come crawling through the garden, I'm out, right? I, I don't do snakes. It doesn't matter if it's a harmless snake. My mom taught me all snakes are poisonous snakes, right? Anybody else in there like that same view? Okay, all right, so I'm out. Let alone, if a snake starts speaking, Man, I'm gone, right? Why in the world are we having a conversation with a snake? But he has this conversation with the woman, and he tempted her to eat of the forbidden fruit, and she gave in. I want you to hear something. 
Adam, close by, saw that Eve took the fruit. And rather than live by himself, he chose to eat the fruit with her and die with her. And sin entered the world. And in that very moment, it forever changed God's perfect creation. The world was broken from that point on. Imperfection begins to rule the world. And after eating the fruit, Adam and Eve realized that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, the very first fruit of the looms. And then God came walking through the garden and a connection with God had been broken. I want you to know something. Sin does that. When you and I sin, and by the way, we all are sinners, when you and I sin, it separates us from a holy, perfect God. This is the the weight of our sin that we need to understand. There are consequences to choices. And sinful consequences lead to the disruption of the fellowship between God and man. And after admitting to God that they ate a fruit... Well, it was a poor admission. Adam said, God, the woman you gave me, I'm out of this, created this. And the blame game began. And finally, Adam confessed. And you know what happened. God then took one of the innocent animals that he had created, and God sacrificed it. And he took the coat of that animal, and he clothed Adam and Eve. That very event is the very first blood sacrifice that we see runs throughout the Bible. It is the beginning of the scarlet thread. It occurs in Genesis chapter 3 and continues all the way through the book of Revelation. And then God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden. They then had children, Cain and Abel. You'll know this from the stories of of your Sunday school class when you were a kid. Abel brought an acceptable lamb sacrifice, and he truly worshiped God. But Cain did not bring such a sacrifice, and he grew to be jealous because of Abel, because his sacrifice didn't measure up to his brother's. And so what did Cain do? Cain killed his brother Abel, and the scarlet thread continues. The morality of the world then quickly disintegrated. By the time we come to Genesis chapter 6, the world is so wicked that God has no other choice but to destroy the earth by way of a great flood. But Noah, Noah was found righteous in God's sight and, and God asked him to build an ark and Noah and his family entered the ark and scripture tells us that God sealed the door and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights And the earth was covered in water and everything perished except that which was in the ark. And once the ark came to rest and the waters receded, Noah and his family came out of the ark and built an altar to the Lord. He then took one of the innocent animals on that ark and he sacrificed it on that altar to the Lord. And the scarlet thread continued. Then came Abraham and the promise of God to make him into a a great nation by way of a promised son, even in his old age. We know that son to be Isaac. And indeed, his wife Sarah became pregnant and gave birth to Isaac. And then God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac on an altar on Mount Moriah. And this was a test to, to gauge Abraham's faithfulness to God. 
And so Abraham did it. He took his son and laid him on the altar. And as he raised his arm to sacrifice Isaac, God stopped his arm. And in the place of Isaac, God provided a ram that got caught in the thicket nearby. And he sacrificed that ram. And the scarlet thread continued. Fast forward to Moses. God raised Moses up to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt. He went to the Pharaoh and demanded that the Pharaoh let his people go. You guys know the VBS jingle? Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh baby, let my people go. Uh, did you, nobody? Just me? Just me? Okay, I, a couple of you. Thank you. Thank you. And what did Pharaoh say? Ain't no way. And so as a result, God sent a series of 10 plagues that visited the nation of Egypt. The 10th and final plague was the death of the firstborn male. But God made a provision for the Jews. They were to sacrifice a spotless lamb on the night prior to the angel of death's arrival and then wipe the blood of that lamb over their doorpost. And by doing so, the angel of death passed over that home and the scarlet thread continued and from that day forward the jews celebrated passover it was a feast to remember the deliverance from slavery and every year they would sacrifice a spotless lamb the scarlet thread continued and here's what i want you to see all of these stories occurred prior to God giving Moses the Ten Commandments. Prior to the establishment of the Levitical law, God had established that the, that the innocent would die in the place of the guilty. And that's because this was God's redemptive plan from the very beginning when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. In that moment, God began to enact his redemptive plan. And that would be that the innocent would die in place of the guilty. See, we have a tendency to think that the sacrificial system didn't start until Moses gave the law. But that's not the case. Sacrifice for atonement began long before the law was ever in place. And since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, God has communicated this redemptive plan. Now, this is very important. It's known as substitutionary atonement. Meaning that what the guilty deserves is that very punishment that is enacted upon that which is innocent. And this sets the stage for the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made upon the cross, the innocent for the guilty. That is God's redemptive plan. And it has been all along. It has not changed. So picking up from Passover, you remember Joshua fit the battle at Jericho? Remember he was marched around the city walls seven times and with a shout the walls came tumbling down? But prior to that event, there were two spies sit in, sent into the city of Jericho. And you remember Rahab housed those two spies? And Joshua desired to save her life. Joshua knew that the city was about to be seized and that the Israelites, the Jews, were going to be victorious and was going to claim all that was in that city. But he desired to save Rahab. And do you remember what he instructed Rahab to do? To take a scarlet cord and tie it in the window 
so that when the armies of the Lord came barreling through Jericho in victory, that they would spare her life. And the scarlet thread continued. Fast forward to King David. And when God pronounced judgment on David's sin, David purchased Mount Moriah, and he built an altar there. And though he would not be the one to construct the temple his son Solomon would, he set the stage for what would happen in that location once the temple was constructed. What happened? Sacrifice of innocent lambs to gain atonement for sin substitutionary atonement the innocent for the guilty god's redemptive plan for humanity and the scarlet thread continued then the prophets the prophets began to speak announcing that there was a chosen one a messiah that was to come and that that messiah who we know to be jesus fulfilling all messianic prophecies contained in the old testament would come and bring deliverance yet again Deliverance from the slavery of sin. And I want you to consider the prophecy foretold about Jesus. There's many different passages. I, I want to draw your attention to Isaiah 53, 5 through 6. Hundreds of years before Jesus even came, this was foretold about the Messiah. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, our sin. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace with God. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity, the sin of us all. God's redemptive plan. The innocent for the guilty. Then after the foretelling of the prophets, then came the very first Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, taking on flesh and dwelling among men. And Jesus came into the world to become the once and for all sacrifice for our sin. As Jesus began his public ministry, remember John the Baptist saw him from a distance. And remember what John the Baptist said in John chapter 1? Verse 29, it says, The next day he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus ultimately fulfilled that statement when he died on the cross at Calvary. By the way, do you know what season Jesus happened to die upon the cross? Passover. As the bleeding of lambs were being heard in the remembrance of God's rescue from Egypt, the Lamb of God, Jesus, cried out from the cross, Father, forgive them. It is by his bloodshed that we are forgiven of our sins. It is by his blood that we are bought back into a right relationship with God. That is the definition of redemption, the scarlet thread. Jesus is the ultimate substitutionary atonement. He went to the cross so you and I would not have to go to the cross. Jesus was perfect, sinless, without any blemish, lived a life of absolute perfection so that he could be the ultimate spotless lamb. And see, it was your sin and mine that 
should have earned us there because we are guilty as charged. But instead, it was God in the flesh, Jesus, the Messiah, willing to die upon the cross in our place. See, all the animals sacrificed from Adam all the way to Jesus was a mere symbol. It was a picture to all of humanity that in order for sins to be forgiven, the innocent must be given for the guilty. Hebrews 9.22 says it this way. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. This beloved, is why Jesus had to go to the cross. It's why he had to do it. And it's why in the Garden of Eden, when he was feeling the weight of it, he says, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. See, it really wasn't possible for that cup to pass from Jesus. And the good news is that while the animals were just a symbol, Jesus was the real thing. Hebrews 10, 11 through 14 says, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Jesus had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. Verse 14, for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. See, the sacrificial system set up in the Levitical law taught us something very significant. It taught us the meaning of sacrifice. It laid out for us, it demonstrated the innocent needing to die for the guilty. And by so doing, prepared us for the ultimate sacrifice, the cross. From Genesis to Revelation, we see God's plan of redemption for fallen humanity. Revealing to us that in Christ, and only in Christ, our sins are forgiven. Rescue is provided, and a relationship with God is restored. The scarlet thread through the Bible, illustrating the fact that Jesus is greater than everything. And you know, the timing of this message is very intentional. On a day in which we remember those fallen on the field of battle, protecting our freedom, we remember Jesus' dying in our place, purchasing for us our salvation, freedom from the penalty of our sin. The Bible calls this a big word, being justified. Justified is a giant word that when we embrace Jesus by faith, it is justified, never sin. We're justified, made right with God. You're listening to Trinity Baptist Church's Hope for the Broken podcast. If you would like to learn more about this ministry, visit us online at trinitytx.org. That's trinitytx.org. Here's Pastor Chris to wrap up our time together. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that you found this podcast. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. It is our goal at Trinity to lead everyone into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what it means to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, we would love to connect with you. 
please feel free to give us a call at 903-572-1959 or email us at info at trinitytx.org. If you are ever in the East Texas area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you. We pray that you have experienced hope today. If you would like to support the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church with a financial gift, you can do so by giving online. Simply log on to trinitytx.org and click the Give tab. Be sure to join us next week as we look into God's Word on Hope for the Broken.